0: be dismissed. Is there leaving? Let's see if I can get this computer to work. Is it just me or is the prince of the power of the air affecting everybody's computer system? I guess it's just me. Okay. Before we begin, let's take a few moments for silent prayer. Be sure we're ready to study and to look into God's word. Uh, we're studying prophecy. Prophecy is always interesting, it's a lot of fun, but we have to take the time and the concentration to be able to, to to grab it and try to understand it. To do that requires the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in our life because He is going to lead us into all truth and show us things to come. That's what the Lord told the disciples the night before the cross and He's saying, I'm sending another helper Someone else to come and to help you to understand. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us understand. If you don't want to understand, you never will. If you want to understand, you seek Him as it says and you will find Him. That's a promise when the condition is met. But it takes oftentimes years to do that. God is not going to... He knows us too well. He's not going to let us open up the book... Read it one time and fully understand everything that's in there. Even if you have a photographic memory, you're not going to be able to understand everything that's in there. Because he says, study to show yourself approved unto God. That's a process that covers our our entire life. I've been studying a long time. And there's still so much to learn and still so much that I, I look forward to learning. And so, no matter who it is, no matter who the teacher is, no, longer how, no matter how long they've been at it, they all know if they're good teachers, they need to continue to study the Word of God because His truths are, are endless. We're just now scratching the surface. So let's get ourselves ready, and before we begin, let's pray. Father, we're blessed and privileged and honored to be able to come together in this country. And, Father, we do thank you for your word. Father, we look around this world and we see that things are indeed a mess. And yet, Father, we know that nothing has escaped your notice. If you know even the number of hairs on our head, Father, you know every thought, speech, and action of everyone that's alive now and everyone that's ever lived. And, Father, we know that you see the end from the beginning and you say how it's going to be so father i pray that the that you would grant us insight into that by the power of the holy spirit so that the result may be that we have a calm in the middle of this chaos and that we have the tools to be able to witness and speak to other people about the fact one day your son's coming back to get us and we better be ready we thank you in jesus name amen <clears throat> we are We're looking at the middle part of this chart right now. that's where we are in chapter 12. Somebody cut the end of that off. <laughs> not this. I knew you cut that off. okay. <laughs> where are we? right along in here? <laughs> We're on this side of there and not this side. Okay? That's important. If you're going to figure out prophecy, you've got to figure out where you are in history. And we're on the left side of this era right here. We're not on this other side. What's going to happen is there's gonna, the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel. And then we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet him in the, in the air. That's what's going to happen. Those who have died who are believers in Jesus Christ are going to be resurrected. The dead in Christ shall stand up first, then we who are alive and remain. It's probably going to be real quick, but it's how how long is it going to take to transform this old worn out body that's tired and don't like to get out of bed a lot of times? A twinkling of an eye. That's how long it's going to do it. That's That's really pretty good exercise, isn't it? We do exercise for long, long-term goals. And, and But whenever we get this new body, boom, it's going to be in shape. And you know what? It's going to stay in shape. Isn't that nice? And you can eat anything you want. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that good? So <clears throat> we're going to be caught up. We're going to go back. We are the bride of Christ. We're going to be in heaven for seven years while the Lord is carrying all this out on earth. So you have to keep uh, realize that there are things going on in heaven at the same time there are things going on in earth but we become part of that great cloud of witnesses that is now looking into the arena of history and we'll be able to see the things that are going on in this earth just like at all the football games yesterday there are people in the stands, there are people on the field we'll, we'll be in the stands watching this now that's a good thing we have seen and are working this out as as we go through where the two witnesses come on board. That's what I want to introduce this with this morning. Moses and Elijah. They come back and they come into the desert outside of Jerusalem and there they evangelize. They shut up the sky for three and a half years. They, the enemy forces do everything they can do to try and kill them and yet it says they will be there for what? 1260 days. That's in chapter 11 now 1260 days is roughly three and a half years this whole time span is seven years from the time we're caught up into the clouds till the time jesus sets foot on the earth and destroys his enemies It's seven years it's seven prophetic years prophetic years 360 days not 365 so we have 2520 days the two witnesses are in the desert For exactly half of that. Now what we just saw in 12.6 is what is going to happen with the beast. He is going to, there's going to be a 1260 days he's going to reign. Now I bring this out because a lot of people think mistakenly that this tribulation period starts with the signing of a covenant. As Isaiah 28 prophesies what's called the covenant of death. And the covenant of death is a covenant that Israel made with the Antichrist. He, he, they, he, they made it with the evil one. Now Israel's been known to make some bad treaties in their time. And they make a treaty in order to, to basically protect themselves. They stop trusting the Lord... They start looking at man. They make a treaty. The Jews have done that throughout their history. Don't make a treaty with Egypt. Okay, so what did they do? They went and made a treaty with Egypt. What did the prophet say? It's just like putting your hand on a broken reed. You have a reed that comes up out of the water. You break the thing. You lean on it like that, and it goes through your hand. It says it'll happen every time you try to do that. You need to not put any trust in your wall cities Or in your defenses, you need to put your trust in me. And the Jews have been tested with that since they've been Jews. That very same thing. Now, this indicates, because this Antichrist, who will be indwelt by the devil, right around the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to have 42 months in which he is in charge when in which he is from the time he takes his seat on the throne. So Daniel seven Daniel nine twenty seven says that he makes a seven year treaty with with Israel. But just because he makes a treaty for seven years doesn't mean he's going to be around for seven years. See and that's what is often missed because his rule over Israel, his attempt to wipe them out and totally do away with them, is said to be 42 months, roughly three and a half years. When it's used as 42 months, otherwise known as a time, times and half a time. That phraseology is used multiple times in Scripture. A time is a year, times is two years, half a time is half a year, three and a half years. So how long is he going to be trying to kill out and erase all of Israel? Three and a half years. Okay. Right after he's made this treaty with unbelieving Israel, who's been verified by, he's been verified by the false prophet. Now we're looking at roughly this midpoint. You see this creature up here with the seven heads and the ten horns on the seventh head? That's what we're talking about right now And in the middle of the book of Revelation I think fitting and appropriate Running behind the scenes in all of human history Is the angelic conflict The battle between God and Satan And if you don't see that going on You may not understand it all But if you don't see that going on Then you're missing an important part of history Why are certain things happening? We're going to see some of that here in Revelation 12. We're at verse 7. So go ahead and turn to Revelation 12:7, or look at it up on the screen if you don't want to turn there. So whatever, whatever you want to do. And it says, well, at 12, 6, just to show the 1,260 days. And the woman fled into the desert. See, when the Antichrist takes his seat in the temple of God, when you see the abomination of desolation sitting where it should not be, that's the Antichrist, a Gentile, as we will see, seated in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be a God. When you see that, leave. That's the command in all of Olivet Discourse. That's in the commands in other places. When you see it happen, get out of there. Here it is again. And the woman, that's Israel, fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by the God so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. What's the other one, 1260? The time of the ministry of Moses and Elijah out in the desert perfectly breaks in half the seven years of the tribulation. The second part of the tribulation is called the great tribulation. So you have to make a distinction there. Now verse 7 says, and there was war in the heaven. It uses the word genomai, so it says there came to be. Now there's been a war in heaven for quite a while, but there reaches a point, and again, we're in the middle point of the tribulation, contextually We're in in the tribulational period, in the middle part of it. So this puts this contemporaneous with this middle part. It says there came to be war. This is polemos. Now polemos is used 18 times in the New Testament. And it's very clear. It's talking about a military campaign, not just a specific battle. Oftentimes you hear the Battle of Armageddon. Well, the biblically it is the war of Armageddon that culminates in a final battle. Okay? The final battle of that war. But it says that there was war in the heaven. This is the real Star Wars. <clears throat> Only it's not yin and yang and all the other stuff that went along with it with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and all the good and bad, and yet you notice how there's never any resolution in that. Good might get the upper hand for a while, but then evil comes back and gets the upper hand for a while. And good that's yin and yang, uh, Buddhist or uh, Hindu theology is all that is because they say that they're equally balanced. You've seen these little circles kind of with a squiggle line in the middle, kind of cutting them in half. I don't know if you ever noticed them before that's what that picture is that yin yang thing that says that good and evil are equally balanced and one will gain the upper hand for a while and then they transfer power back and back and forth but anyway that's not the way it is because Michael I can hardly wait to shake this guy's hand I really I'm looking forward to it him and Gabriel Gabriel is the brass section <laughs> I guess of heaven with a trumpet. But Michael, he's the tough dude. I mean that's who he is. He is the warrior. Michael is a guardian of Israel according to Daniel 12, 1. So when we see this guy coming in, we're automatically taken back for an instant anyway into into Daniel. His name's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. The other place is in Jude 9 Which says, but Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the body of Moses, disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against the devil a railing judgment, but he said, "The Lord rebuke you." Now that's that's quite a statement. But they went over and over who gets the body of Moses, because the Lord took him and buried him where he couldn't be found. Right? End of Deuteronomy. That's what he did. Why? Wouldn't a devil have just loved to have the body of Moses? Because he could build a shrine. He could build that shrine and keep building that shrine and people come to worship the body of Moses. Because that's what they would have done. The Lord said, no, you can't have him. And so he hid him. Who was in charge of hiding him and keeping keeping him hid? Michael. So he says, Michael and his angels waged war... Polymeo, the verb form of polymas. Uh, it's the, the long, they waged war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. They were going back and forth. Now, how long? When I see the word waged war, I go, this is a military campaign, so how long? Well, time in heaven and time on the earth is evidently two different things. In heaven, it appears to be simply a succession of events without a specific reference to duration. On earth, we think of time in terms of duration. But what happens when we enter eternity? A day is as a thousand years of the Lord, a thousand years is as a day. What happens when we enter eternity? You know what's going to happen right after the rapture? There's going to be probably one billion people, maybe, who are Christians stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ How long is that going to take? All right, if you do that really fast in Earth time, they'll probably still be going on after the millennium's done. But if you are God, it doesn't take long. See, it's a different location, it's a different place. What have we got? They've got a battle going on there. We're not measuring it in Earth years. What it says is, they've got a battle. And where is it? It's in heaven. That's what we know. Now, it says, and they, in verse 8, were not strong enough. The problem is, there's no they in this verb. He looks at the dragon and his angels. That's the reference back. He is the leader of the pack. So it says, that he was not strong enough. It's the third singular of a school, and a school is a word that looks primarily at physical strength. He did not have the power. And old devil is a strong angel. Now and he was not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them. And here's the plural, the devil and his angels in the heaven what are they doing in heaven anyway it appears this war occurs near the end of the first half of the tribulation that's what the context is telling us about telling us what is going to happen because the devil is going to get thrown out of heaven somewhere around the middle point of the tribulation because then he's going to indwell the antichrist how do I know that I read chapter 13 Okay, so when you keep going what about what about what about keep reading Okay, or who, what, when, where, why? Now keep reading. Okay, and then read it again because sometimes you miss it the first time through. Sometimes you sleep in between uh, study times. Now, <clears throat> this it, it occurs that it does. This coincides, by the way, with the interpretation of Revelation 10, where the angel put his feet, right foot in the sea and his left foot on the land making him face south and who was that angel more than likely Michael the guardian of Israel where is he till the middle point of the tribulation he's in heaven fighting the devil now Michael is not omnipresent the devil is not omnipresent they are finite creatures like you and I they can only be in one place at one time they may have intelligence groups that go out and gather data and bring it back to them. But there's still only one creature. So they can't be two places at, at once. So here is Michael and his group, they throw them out. Then what happens? Whether well, other factors, other things happen, King of the North goes by to the west side of Jerusalem, defeats the king of the south, turns back lays siege to Jer- turns back to lay siege to Jerusalem, and Michael takes his stand, looking right at the king of the north returning, and he slows them down till the appropriate time. That's what he does. So he's no longer in heaven at that time. He's on the earth. So things are copacetic. They're all fitting into place. This is known as Satan's second fall. Whenever you get into... If you studied a full systematic theology and studied angelology, then in angelology, you'll study Satan and his forces... And his, this is his second fall they look at five falls of Satan that, that occur and this is the second first one is Isaiah 14 Isaiah 4 I will be like the most high that's, that's his first fall this one is second fall he and his angels are confined to earth no longer having access to heaven to accuse the brethren where did I read accuse the brethren I just kept reading what were they doing there God granted them access to heaven to accuse the brethren, to bring charges against them. Satan will indwell the Antichrist at this point. Revelation 13:4. they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And this indicates what had happened. If you study, you know, the old devil, he ended up indwelling a snake, didn't he? Long time ago, Genesis 3. Then then what did he do? He indwelt Judas. Didn't he? Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. And then who does he indwell? The Antichrist. Three times. The last time he's led out after the millennial kingdom, probably his last argument in the angelic conflicts, you made me work through that through that snake, that idiot Judas, and the Antichrist. Let me show my glory and I'll win this battle. And God says, go for it. And lets him out. Why let him out for a little while out of the pit in order to lead a rebellion, the Gog-Magog rebellion recorded in Revelation 20? That's your last argument, bud. I've given you every opportunity to try and prove your case, and it failed. Sounds like we know other people that have given every opportunity to try and prove their case, and they have failed in recent history. Anyway, now <clears throat> Satan will indwell the antichrist now verse 9 says <clears throat> and the great dragon was thrown down now this is the word bolo, and it's the same word you'd use if you picked up a football and threw it Okay, it's, he was thrown thrown out, thrown down, you read in thrown down that's good because he went down to the earth that's how it's always viewed there actually is a word for thrown down there, but this is uh, pretty explanatory itself. And th- I love this next phrase because <laughs> who is the devil? Is he 18 different creatures? Now, he, the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, Genesis 3, who is being called Diablos, the devil. And the satanas, which means the adversary, who deceives, you can say who constantly attempts to, that's what he's doing. He, he doesn't ever fully succeed in deceiving the whole earth because there are still those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are still those who don't take the mark of the beast. He never fully succeeds in doing that. Deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, Satan attempts to set up his own millennial kingdom. Now, I don't know if it's a kingdom for a thousand years. I think it's a kingdom forever. Satan is attempting to set up his own kingdom where he is in charge of the whole world. So what happens, let's just take the Antichrist. He comes on the scene shortly after the rapture. (coughs) A human being. He, he starts to ascend to power for the first three and a half years. He takes over as the head of a ten-nation confederacy in Europe known as the revived Roman Empire of which he becomes the dictator. I doubt seriously it's a, a democratic election that gets him in there, but somehow he does it. In the course of that, he defeats three of those ten nations in his rise to power and he sets up an eighth kingdom. That's because I've read ahead, Revelation seventeen. Okay, so that's what he does and also read the book of Daniel. So here is this this devil, and he's trying to set up his own kingdom on earth. So what does he do? He installs Mark of the Beast. What ploy does he use? Universal peace movement. What's the methods of trying to carry it out? Kill anybody that doesn't agree with him. Those are the four horsemen that tell us the way the devil is going to try to do things. Death and famine and killing. Now that's the Antichrist that's doing it but along about the midpoint this Antichrist is going to be indwelt by Satan. Satan is thrown down to the earth. He's no longer in heaven accusing the brethren anymore. He is thrown down to, to the earth and he is in charge of that ten nation minus three plus one confederacy that is there and he is trying to gain power over the whole world I think he's going to be in a sense uh, you can tell we're in angelic conflict because I am not clicking these things and they are clicking on their own it's all right. we're going to win this because the Lord already did now he is trying to take control of the entire world And when you read this, just on the surface, and you don't compare Scripture with Scripture, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, you find out he never completes it. He is trying to complete it. He is trying to execute anybody that doesn't take the mark of the beast. So he installs an economic system in play. He uses rationing and economic power to try, try and take control of the earth. Again, part of the four horsemen and the methods that, that he used. So he's trying to take control of the whole world and he never quite succeeds. The title dragon looks at his political methods. That's normally how it's viewed. Uh, dra- Nobody's ever seen a dragon, but everybody knows they exist. Okay, Anybody ever seen the devil? No, I don't know if he's got blue eyes and blue jeans. Some of you remember that song, don't you? Somebody's knocking, would you look at him? Lord, it's the devil. Uh, Don't let him in. (laughs) Well, anyway, unseen but real. It's a lot like politics, isn't it? There's so many things going on behind the scenes that you don't see. There's the thing in the works of the flesh... The Bible so practical. Works of the flesh. There's a word for covert politics. That's the stuff going on all around the backside. And then there's a word for overt politics where it is pure and simple and everybody knows that they're promoting themselves but the covert is the stuff that goes on in <clears throat> closed door meetings behind the table and all those other type of things that go on it's usually some one way to elevate yourself over somebody else why don't you just speak the truth and love and let, let the Lord deal with it the, the title serpent looks at his subtle deceit now <clears throat> serpents are good at camouflage Unless you're back in the Garden of Eden. It was pretty clear it was a snake. They knew what it was. He wasn't trying to blend in. But I remember one time we used to, we lived up in Bartlesville, we'd go to uh, Copan Lake, about 15 miles from my house. 15 minutes I could be deer hunting with a bow. It was a wonderful place. Just get right up there and get out in the middle of nowhere. So it's a great place. So I took took Helen and Jennifer and Bradley and we're all walking down the riprap along the side of the spillway down below the dam and of course uh, I think it was uh, Helen or Bradley one of the kids walked right over the top of a snake and it just kind of blended in there on the gravel. and It's a rat snake, which shouldn't have blended in on the gravel, but didn't see it. it. Looked like a twig, stick, something else like that. And I think two had walked past it before. It, I think Helen saw it. That's normal. Um, eagle Eye. She she got a peek of it. And um, so snake. You know this is how that thing goes. So Daddy's gonna fix this snake. Of course, Daddy didn't have a gun with him at the time, which was a mistake. So Daddy got after this snake with a stick. Doesn't work too well. Anyway, the snake finally left us alone and went down into the rocks. Rat snakes are mean-spirited, to say the least. But the thing about snakes is they're subtle. The way they do it. Helen went outside of the house. There we got a little tree in the neighbor's yard, which drops all of its junk into our yard. But we got this this tree there, and she looked up, and there was a snake looking at her. Jennifer went to uh, the cupboard, living out in the country, and she opens it up, and there's a cotton mouse sitting right there on the third shelf of the pantry. And one got after our dog not too long ago. I told you about that. But the title serpent looks at its very subtle methods. That's the devil and that's the way he works that's the way he does things he is extremely subtle in saying oh no you're not going to die if you eat from that tree he goes go ahead and try it you're not going to get in trouble and the next thing you know we've gone down a path that leads into darkness does it every time the title devil Diabolos looks at his slanderous vocabulary that means he puts other people down to elevate himself He is a slanderer. What's his primary object? The Lord Jesus Christ is his primary object. But that whole element of slander is what goes on. Now something hit me about hate the other day, because somebody made some comment about hate on one of the news shows. It hit me about hate and I went, you know, hate is not just an attitude. Hate is an action. And when you bear false witness against your neighbor, no matter what you say, it is an act of hate. That's what it is. So, talk out of both sides of your mouth and play the politics. But actions speak louder than words. Where does that stuff come from? Doesn't come out of the Lord, does it? Out of the Lord is speak the truth and love. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Honor one another. Those are all biblical injunctions that we find. But politicians like to speak one thing and say the other. The title Satan. satanas, means he is a legal adversary to Jesus Christ. It is a courtroom term. It is an adversary in a court of law. That's the meaning behind those. You just hear that old devil. Every time you hear the word devil, he's a slanderer. When you hear the word Satan, he is an accuser. The accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. When you hear the word serpent, he is one who is using subtle deceit to camouflage true intentions. There's there's meanings behind those words now this is what happens along about the middle point of the tribulation and then guess what the picture goes back to, to heaven and it says I heard a loud voice in the heaven once again saying now now means just exactly then after the removal of Satan from heaven The soteria, the salvation. In context, it is the deliverance from the accusations of Satan. The deliverance. Salvation, in the words, always a picture of deliverance. You've got to figure out from what whenever you run into it in context in the New Testament. And right here, in context, no longer accused. Now the salvation... And the power, the dunamis, the inherent omnipotence of God And the kingdom of our God And the authority of his Christ, Messiah Have come Have come means come into existence It's time for it to start Doesn't mean it's immediately But it means it's the next step In the sequence of events That are laid out prophetically That we have have to look for for the accuser. And this word, you know, we, we find that satanas means an accuser. The same, satanus is the same in Greek and Hebrew, by the way. Same, exact same word. Now, I would expect, zipping through here, looking at the Greek, I would expect satanas to be here. And it's not. It's a different word. It is a kategor. We had kind of category out of it. Used five times. The other four times are in the book of Acts. And it's used where Paul was receiving accusations against him. So it is a legal accusation. This word kategor is a barbarous form, as it's called, of kategoros, which is very technical. It means to make public accusation against an accord of law. So if you have a... Public accusation made against you in a court of law, it is a categorgoras. This is a special word precisely for that for that. He says, for the accuser, and I call it the barbarous plaintiff, okay he's bringing charges. he's a barbarian. The barbarous plaintiff, is that politically incorrect now? Barbarian, I don't know, probably. Well, you can apply it to Satan, they can argue over that, so not going to cut him any breaks. The accuse of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses Kate used twenty three times, meaning to bring charges against, accuses them before our God day and night. Now that's quite a quite a little picture in the heaven, isn't it? because he's been there still accusing the brethren that's who he does that's what he does that's what he likes to do why is he doing that? he wants to find some chink in God's plan of grace he wants to find some chink in the plan of God he wants to find some way that he can kind of gain a foothold to try and prove any of these accusations that he's level since the fall that's what he's been looking for now Before our God, day and night. So the announcement by the saints is done with one voice. I heard a loud, singular voice in heaven. That means everybody, for the first time maybe in history, the church got on the same page. (laughs) Look at at this. (laughs) That just struck me. That may be what happened. That we may all be of one accord. Notice the potential of may all be of one accord. We've never been of one accord before. But it looks like in heaven, because guess who's part of that, Chorus? You and I. We will all be on the same page, in the same book. There. It indicates a oneness of thought. It celebrates another victory in the plan of God, where God's court Will no longer hear Satan's charges. It's over with. It's done. He's gone and out of there. Satan's charges against believers serve to attack the entire essence of God. I think he's going to go after the entire essence of God. He's going to try and find any flaw that he can possibly find. Does God have the authority to make laws? He's sovereign. Now he's going to claim that some of God's laws are bad. Is God righteousness and just justice? Absolutely. He's going to try and say God wasn't righteous here, God wasn't just here. He's going to try and make some argument. Is God love? To say He's not is blasphemy. He's love. What's He going after? He's going to go after God's display of love. What's He going to go after? Did God change? Oh God, you changed. You changed that priesthood around. We ought to impeach you for that. You change that priesthood around. That's changed. No, it's not. The principles have always stayed the same. God has always stayed the same. The standards have stayed the same. The methods and manner of expression. God, as the sovereign, has the authority to change. No longer do you offer up animal sacrifices. You offer yourself see that's your sacrifice as a royal priest in the church age God didn't change the methods he changed the methods which he has the right to do as a sovereign his veracity does he speak the truth you think he's not going after that Satan going after him in every element Satan absolutely hates grace now you want to think about what Satan hates the most it's got to be grace grace I believe after studying this for a long time in the angelic conflict Satan thought he had God when he rebelled he thought he'd figured out how to get him thought he'd figured out not how to become like God but how to bring God down so God would become like him I think he figured out that if if I can do this righteousness and justice how can loving God cast his creatures into a lake of fire that's one of Satan's that's one of Satan's questions, obvious question that he would ask. How can you be love and righteousness and justice? And God already had that worked out because one thing a sovereign can do is display grace and mercy. They have the authority to do that. It's been taught by every king who has ever ruled in history. They have the authority to do that. Now it may be right or wrong based on who they administered. Uh, justice and grace and mercy too but when you're omniscient then you know it's right all the time so God has been defending this in front of Satan and about halfway through the trib he says out of here leave the throne room just like any king in any place in history has a right to do get them out of here what did Michael do got them out of there they were gone he hates grace you know what? His whole life, though, confirms it. His whole existence confirms it. Because the only reason Satan still exists is by the grace of God. That's it. Because what would happen after the fall? Absolute righteousness and justice could have executed him then. Ceased to exist. Lake of fire, whatever the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. It could have happened. He could have Satan fell and before he led any other angel astray, he said, "Gotcha over and out. You're done. but that's not what he did, is it? He let Satan bring his charges because God is gracious. and you know God's not worried. What if you were sitting in God's chair and you had this whole army out there trying to unseat you? Would you worry? not if you were really God <laughs> you wouldn't worry at all it seemed like I read in Psalm 2 the Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs you want to mock God God is not mocked with success Galatians six six. whatever a man sows so shall he reap so you can mock God all you want to mock God and you can pull all these games but you're not going to You know, is the Holy Spirit grieved absolutely because he is a person And he hates to see the the creatures running off into oblivion, doing things that he knows are detrimental to him. That's a manifestation of love, is what it is. The wording used in this passage clearly indicates the conflict between God and Satan is a legal battle. This word, to bring an accusation against, a barbarous accusation. Now, verse 11, And they overcame... This is the third person plural of nakao. This is the same word used in chapter 2 and chapter 3 about being an overcomer in the church age. Okay. They overcame. He's talking about believers. They overcame him. Who's him? The accuser. They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. Revelation seven fourteen tells us that's their salvation. They overcame this accuser. You know, it's he, he's kind of got a futile thing. Have you ever thought Satan might be accusing you right now in front of the throne? He's got some demon reported back to him, said, You know what Drew did in the parking lot at Walmart the other day? He got mad. It somebody acted like an idiot. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> see I have a defense attorney I don't even have to show up there I have a defense attorney it's called Jesus Christ <laughs> First John chapter 2 and verse 1 we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous who after he made propitiation for the sins of the whole world guess what he's in heaven he's interceding for us that's who we have So Jesus is there as our defense attorney in this courtroom. And he says, I covered it. Next, when Satan brings an accusation against you, I covered it, covered by the blood. Now, he says, because of the blood of the Lamb and because the word of their testimony. He's talking about their Christian life. And they did not love their life. And this is the word suke for soul. They did not love their soul even to death. In other words, some people want to keep body and soul so interconnected forevermore that they, they compromise when they shouldn't compromise. And they, they knew where their soul was going. Their soul was going to be with the Lamb already. Their salvation was already guaranteed. And the word of their testimony means that they live the Christian life. I mentioned before that Voice of the Martyrs and some of the things that it has done has um, found out that families that make a decision beforehand what is going to happen when the bad guys break down the door. When they made that decision beforehand then they, they have figured out what to, then they're able to handle it. And many of them have been martyred just exactly for that but they're prepared there's a lot of people in Iran, Iraq a lot of Christians in Jordan, Syria that, that expect to knock on the door at any time and they have already made their peace they know they have made the decision not saying they'll all carry it out they have made the decision if it cost us our life So be it. They made that decision. There's some special people that we'll get to meet up there. Satan's demise is further, further guaranteed by those who endured until death. Now see, I believe all the angels fell. Now, if all the angels fell, none of them were qualified to stand as a witness. So there needed to be a second witness. And I think that's part of why man was brought into existence. Because guess what we're going to do? We're going to be witnesses. You know, every time Satan comes up with an accusation, well, it was because of uh, poverty or something, this person did this, did... uh, I got one here that's brought up in the same way, only guess what, they trusted me. They followed me even to the point of death. He's going to have all the witnesses he needs. Needs. Wouldn't that be a blessing if you got called as a witness? Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? <clears throat> the Lamb's blood met man's faith. Victory was attained. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's an exercise of faith that overcomes the world. The world's telling you now this guy named Jesus. He was, he was a carpenter's son. He was a good guy. He lived and died. Then they leave it there. Because they can't believe that he rose again. Notice that endurance and victory over undeserved suffering by the saints has significant impact in the angelic conflict. You're undergoing undeserved suffering. You're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. It has significant impact in the angelic conflict. I don't know if anything's showing up. <laughs> okay. And verse twelve. For this reason, what reason? For those that have overcome, rejoice. Present active imperative of euphryno. Euphrino is used 14 times. Present tense says keep on doing it. Active says you initiate it. Imperative says it's not supposed to be an option in the Christian life. And what type of celebration is this? As when a prodigal returns. In Luke chapter 15. The bulk of the uses. It's also used for rejoicing like when the bad guy kills the two witnesses in Revelation 11.10 and the whole world had another type of Christmas because they got rid of Moses and Elijah for three and a half days. Rejoice. It's something you really rejoice over. There was a lot of rejoicing in Dallas at Jerry World yesterday at the fourth down pass at fell incomplete and then the stands went wild that OU had won their fifth Big 12 championship in a row. It's okay to rejoice over that. That's fine and good. That's the kind of rejoicing we're talking about here. We're talking about having the same ecstatic joy that you can have over a sporting event. Or the birth of a child. We are talking about that type of of rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing, O heavens. And you who dwell in them. And the word dwell, I love this. I have to point it out every time we get. Skenau is the word. It means to pitch a tent over something. You who are tabernacling in them. Believers in a temporary shelter, i.e. an interim body. Because there's going to be an interim body because we're going to have, have the uh, interim body for the age of Israel believers martyred in the tribulation don't have their resurrection body yet. So they're in an interim body like believers who have died in the church age are in now until the rapture occurs. And it's a, it's good, obviously. It's a good body. It endures everything you can imagine. <coughs> but it's not the full-blown blown resurrection body. And you who are tabernacling in them, woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. I love that phrase. See, the devil knows prophecy. He knows prophecy. He's doing everything in his power to try and upset it and keep it from happening. Just like he did with the birth of Jesus. Just like he did after Jesus was born. The attempt to kill him. He has done that throughout all of history. He doesn't change. The saints in heaven will rejoice <clears throat> because of a greater appreciation of our defense attorney. That's part of why we're going to be rejoicing. Those on earth are going to feel the brunt of Satan's wrath. <clears throat> That's why one of the passages in Olivet Discourse says, "Pray that you're not with child in those days." Women praying they're not be pregnant because it's going to be bad, bad enough. A great deal of the pressure in the great tribulation is brought by Satan himself, and he will employ his ruse of accusing others of what he is doing. That's satanic to the core, isn't it? When you point your finger this way, three of them are pointing back at you. You have to be careful with accusations. As it said, even Michael did not bring a railing accusation against the devil when he disputed with the body of Moses. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Sounds like some good advice, doesn't it? Let's pray. <clears throat> thank you, Father, for this day, for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your prophetic word. Father, thank you that we can look ahead and you've given us a little glimpse into the future. And Father, what you have given us is awe inspiring, that we might be able to just get a, a small taste of what is going to happen. And Father, it's such a blessing and a comfort to know that you've already won this thing. You see the end from the beginning. Nothing that comes our way catches you off guard. And then, Father, you've already provided for it. You won't give us a test beyond what we are able. And, Father, you have given us, through Jesus Christ, the strength to do all things. And, Father, we thank you for that. Let us ever offer up this rejoicing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.